Hi there, I'm Georgie Ainsley, and every week I talk to someone who is a performance person. They could be an athlete from the world of entertainment, business, or politics. They could even be an astronaut. The key link is, of course, that they all know how to perform at the top level, and they can teach us all a thing or two about how to do that in our own lives at whatever it is that we do. Performance People is available wherever you get your podcasts, or of course, you can watch us on YouTube, where you can also subscribe. And please do. Ella Mills, founder of Deliciously Ella, is a British food writer and businesswoman. Her company, which she runs with her husband, Matthew, has sold over 91 million plant-based food products to date. She's also sold close to 1.5 million books worldwide. And her new book, Healthy Made Simple, features over 75 simple recipes that she promises should take less than 30 minutes to make in no more than five simple steps, containing 10 ingredients or less. She admits she wasn't always ambitious growing up, or for that matter, entrepreneurial. But a debilitating illness at 21 led her to take matters into her own hands and research how food choices could help her. And they did, with staggering results. It wasn't like an overnight success by any stretch of the imagination, but there were just, there were some green shoots and that was the first time I'd seen that in a long time. You know, there was this like, you are not what you eat. You, we kind of are what we eat. And the reality of building a business is that you just ride the highest highs and the lowest lows and often within like three minutes of each other. It feels so pressing. It feels so urgent. It feels so important to help be part of a U-turn in the way that this country approaches their health. Ella, congratulations on your new book being out. I'm going to hold it here for a little plug. But also to say, everybody in South West London and Surrey has clearly been buying this book. Because if you try to get coconut sugar or any other variety of anything that's in this book in a Waitrose, they haven't got it right now. And they're all saying it's because of this book. (laughs) So I think that's congratulations. But also, what do we do if we can't find the ingredients? Oh, thank you. Well, most of the ingredients, honestly, are so standard. It's frozen <laughs> peas, it's carrots, um, rice. Like it's it's a it's a book of very standard supermarket ingredients. Um, there's like two baking things in there. Everything else is aubergines. Yeah, as I said, frozen peas, tin tomatoes. Um, so really, really easy. So you should be able to get it everywhere. Yeah, I need to look a little bit harder. You're quite right. Um, It's been such a long journey, such a big journey that you've been on to get yourself here. I mean, when you think about your younger self, when you were way back in sort of uni years and everything else, um, being here now, can can you believe the journey you've quite had? I mean, in the simplest way, no, not at all. So that's why when people, you know, always ask that question, oh, what do you think you'll be doing in five years and 10 years? I'm like, I have no idea because everything up until this point has just been so unexpected and so surprising. Um, But really, truly, like absolutely no way on earth if I rewound to, yes, like say my first year at uni, the idea that I would be where I am today, so bizarre to me. What would you say to your younger self? I mean, what is sort of the greatest lesson that you think you've learned, you know, as somebody that's been on this journey and also, you know, at a really young age, achieved a great deal? I mean, I think, honestly, I think it's that you can do so much more than you probably think you're able and possibly than most other people think you're able to. And um, it's extraordinarily difficult. And building a business is 
it is so hard it is so relentless I think it is so different to what people imagine it is you know you people think oh I'll start a business I'll have loads of freedom in my life you have no freedom whatsoever um and that can feel claustrophobic and that can feel like you're living in a washing machine like you are just tumbling round and round and round but equally on the other side of it the satisfaction the pride the sense of purpose the sense of mission the get up and go is a real gift um and so but I think as someone that didn't have much ambition that didn't know what they wanted to do with their life and that you know to be totally honest people didn't expect much from um I think the biggest thing that I would say yeah to myself is that you you can achieve a lot more than people think that you probably can so Ella I just want to pick up on what you said about ambition because you said you weren't necessarily ambitious it wasn't you know your game plan to be where you are now all those years ago and it kind of came about didn't it because you were struggling you had been diagnosed with this illness and you needed a solution (laughs) (laughs) bless you that's exactly sorry (laughs) so sorry those January bugs um that's exactly right yeah so I and I I always say this not to be overly self-deprecating or putting myself down but because I feel like for me um growing up um everything I read and everything I felt about entrepreneurs people that started their own businesses with that those were the people that always succeeded you know those were the people that were the prefects at school that were the head of their school you know the head girl those were the people that were you know selling things to people in playgrounds when they were kids and they've had business ideas since they were six and I was the absolute opposite I was like bang average at school hadn't kind of really succeeded in anything so far hadn't really got any kind of big passions or hobbies or interests or a real sense of drive I mean so no one was thinking I was like gonna go lots of places Um, And I just say that because I think I ended up being an entrepreneur and a founder where I had a problem and then I ended up solving it for myself. And in doing that, inadvertently started solving it for what's turned out to be millions of people. And that's really where it all came from. And that's the ambition and that's the drive that I now have. And it was exactly that. So it was in um, after my second year at university that I got very, very ill. And I spent that year in and out of hospital And I was diagnosed with a condition that affected the uh, functioning of my autonomic nervous system. And it really, it was a bit like the slightly more extreme end of long COVID, which is that nothing really worked. No one really knew why. No one really knew what to do about it. But I couldn't control my heart rate, digestion, circulation, blood pressure. So I'd stand up, my heart rate would be 180, 190 within seconds. You black out or you feel you're going to black out. You're so dizzy, it's like your head's disconnected from your body. I had a pretty extreme chronic fatigue. So sleep up to, say, 18 hours a day. Um, brain fog, you know, I couldn't go out of the house by myself, really. Like, you're, you're not, you're non-functioning almost. And so it was when I really hit my rock bottom with that and the realisation that the spectrum, which was up to about 25 different repurposed medications a day, weren't working for me and no one promised they would but I just thought that they would and that's what led to my interest in the link between diet and health and what how much what we eat affects our well-being and in doing that I thought okay well I'm going to teach myself to cook and maybe this will help me um and delicious Ella ended up being born an incredible story isn't it but I think sometimes the strongest of brands come out of that problem solution place which is exactly what you had so you were at your absolute rock bottom and you decided to get your head into the books and really work out what it was that could make you better did you have a eureka moment was there a moment where you went oh my god I can actually solve this for myself 
I mean, I think even the idea of taking a bit more of it into my own hand, hands was very empowering because mm. I had really um, given up on on everything in the year before that. And I felt so I had very bad depression and anxiety and I was in a very, very dark place. And so even that sense of kind of a level of reconnection with myself and kind of slight sense of empowerment, that was really impactful. And then after a few months, it was very clear that this was making more impact than anything else I had done. And it wasn't like an overnight success by any stretch of the imagination, but there were just, there were some green shoots. And that was the first time I'd seen that in a long time. And I, that felt like, wow. And I, I just started really enjoying what I was cooking and I was realizing, wait a second, we can eat these simple ingredients um, aubergines and lentils and carrots and they can be so delicious and I never thought they could be and I I know talking obviously in 2024 that seems quite strange because obviously nowadays we're so well versed in the um, connection between what we eat and our health and the, and the link between the two and how important it is to eat well um, and there are also so many different recipes available for simple plant-based cooking, none of which existed at this point. So the landscape has changed so much in that sort of 12 years or so since I started. Um, and I'm really proud to have played a role in that. And I never would have started this if the recipes already existed. Like if this had all happened to me today, I would have just used the delicious yellow recipes. I wouldn't have started my own brand. How do you go from cooking these recipes for yourself and understanding that they're having a really seriously profound and, and great effect on you to then turning this into a business that now we're looking at as a, as a you know, a serious, serious entity. How do, how do you go from the kitchen and the saucepans to where you're now at? Slowly, like, you know, as I said, it was 12 years ago that I started writing Delicious Ella. So you know, certainly not an overnight success in that capacity. And again, I always think that's important to say, because when you sometimes look at where people, brands, companies are today, the idea of getting from where you are to that can feel so intimidating, but it has very much been a brick by brick, one step forward, one step backwards approach, 100%. Um, but it was really, again, it was this and I, I don't mean it like an overly almost like cheesy way, but it was this community. I didn't sit down and think, okay, what's my business plan? What am I going to do? But it was just that over the next few years after I started writing, the site had 130 million hits. Um, the readership grew so, so quickly. And it just grew so quickly because I was so passionate about what I was sharing. And I started to get stories from people who were sharing their own health improvements. And I was like, just evangelical about sharing resources with them and trying to make it easier for them to do what I was doing. And, um, but as a result, they started to ask for things as the community got bigger and bigger. So initially that was a cooking class and a work and workshops and supper clubs, sort of um, ways of translating the community online into something offline. And so that's what I started to do. Then after that, people wanted to have the recipes in a kind of easier format. So I created an app. Um, and that app I just put out on my blog as it was at the time and, and Instagram and it became the number one app in the whole of the app store. And it was on the back of that, that I thought, gosh, okay, I think there's something here. And I was only about 23 at this time, had no idea what I was doing. I'd never had another job before because I started this in my second year of uni. Like I'd never worked in another office. I'd never gone through an interview round. So I really was as like fresh and green as anyone could possibly be, but I was so so obsessed with this mission of helping people eat real food helping get more plants to more people and I um 
And then on the back of that, I approached lots of literary agents and said, I, I think there's something in this. I want to write a book. Um, and one of them was excited about it. And she's still my literary agent today. And she introduced me to lots of publishers. And then my first book came out in 2015. And, and that was really the moment everything changed because we went from being quite a large but niche online community to that point where the book um, became the fastest selling debut cookbook um, in UK history ever at that point in time. Um, it spent about seven consecutive weeks, number one on Amazon. It just sort of exploded. Um, and that meant um, that it, there was loads and loads of media pickup and suddenly I was everywhere, like every possible media outlet it felt like and this conversation went really really mainstream and I met my now husband and business partner just after that he worked in finance he's super entrepreneurial hated his job and within three weeks of meeting we were living together he was <laughs> going to quit his job and we were going to start a business together and really create much more of a business plan a concerted effort of how do we take this brand and really turbocharge it and really kind of take the mission to a, a new level. And that obviously looks like entering retail and, and really building up the products business, which is the core of what we do. So we've sold about, I think it's about 91 million products now since we launched in mid 2016. That's incredible, isn't it? It's amazing. And with, and with, you've been really vocal about this with success comes huge highs and huge lows. And, you know, hopefully you, you aim for something here, don't you? But sometimes it can peak and trough depending on your situation. The media world is a, is a bizarre place in which to live. To be a public facing figure is a bizarre thing. And, and entrepreneurs don't necessarily ask for it. But of course, by the nature of what you're doing, you will receive media attention. I mean, we're doing this interview. That's going to happen, isn't it? And how comfortable were you with that at the age of sort of 22, 23? Because that's a really young age to be experiencing what can be quite tricky, a tricky place to navigate. Yeah, I mean, I guess both sides of riding those highs and lows is really difficult. And I think if I was going to give my younger self advice or or someone who wants to start a business advice, I think particularly I am definitely like a sensitive, emotional, you know, very um, impulsive person. And the reality of building a business is that you just ride the highest highs and the lowest lows. And often within like three minutes of each other, you get great news, then you think you're going bust. And it cycles around like this. You think the company's stable and the next day you get information which makes you feel like the rug's been swept up out underneath your feet and I mean we're almost 100 people in the team um you know it's a it's a really legitimate revenue base it's a profitable business and it still feels like that every day like I'm waiting for it to be easy but I'm not sure it ever will be and I think it's I guess I wasn't probably completely prepared for how difficult that is and how lonely that can feel as well because the weight of responsibility when you know that many people's jobs rely on you keeping it going you have to keep it growing it feels like every day you're trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat and that can just feel really relentless and so I think that's been one of my biggest learning curves and that's not from an external perspective that's an internal perspective as in not from a media perspective this is just about entrepreneurship and building a team and building a business and the reality of how difficult that is and obviously the last few years have been exceptionally difficult from a kind of macro climate perspective um, and I'm still learning to ride those highs and those highs and those lows um and anyone I speak to who owns a business runs a business feels the same way it seems like whatever stage they're at 
um, which is always quite reassuring. Um, But again, not something we probably talk about enough. And then, as you said, from a public perspective, that was definitely something I wasn't really ready for either is, um, yeah, just a level of kind of awareness and, and scrutiny and the vulnerability that comes with that. I was so young when I started this, it was just coming out of a really dark period in my life. So I wasn't definitely wasn't the most kind of secure and confident person by any means. Um, and it was just so, yeah, I was so passionate about the mission and, and so wanted to bring people on board with it. But I think that definitely was a really big learning curve as well and has taken me a long time to feel like I can kind of overcome and feel really comfortable with. Yeah, I think you can't really ever prepare for either of those things you've just spoken about personally and publicly. You can't really ever prepare for them, but you kind of just learn how to manage it, don't you? You learn how to sort of manage that situation a little better. I mean, do you have any tips or tricks or anything that you go to where you say, okay, this is how I'm going to address these situations now? Because I know that that's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just looking after myself better by doing it that way. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think it's twofold. I think it is always trying to remind yourself it's a marathon, not a sprint. Although when you're in the more startup phase, it, it kind of is a sprint. And, you know, the problems could send you bust tomorrow. So there's an immediacy that's quite hard to remind to, to calm down with. Um, but yes, it's, I think it's really trying to remind yourself of that and be quite disciplined with your wellness and self-care practices because it is so important and you know so I really try and get up before my kids and have time to meditate I batch cook I prep ahead so that on these super busy days where you don't have time for anything you've got food that gives you the energy that you need to feel good to to keep going forward and I find that really really important really prioritizing sleep Um, but again like you can't be all things to all people you can't do everything in any chapter of your life and I think you have to be honest about what you can do in any given time and and for me right now that's work my children honestly before having children in the startup phase it was work and work and your life really really shrinks and that's you know the there's a trade-off there's always a trade-off in life everything's a compromise Um, and the amount of kind of purpose and mission that I have with what we do and I realized I one of my core values um, is making a difference. I think that's one of the things that's the most important to me in my life. And so it, it gives me that, but that's why I'm always so keen to say, and I guess that's that would be the advice part of this is, I think if you start a company because you want to make a lot of money because you want to sell it, you're going to be in for a difficult ride because you've got to pick yourself up off the floor time and time and time again. And you've got to find a reason and motivation to get through really, really hard patches because they're inevitable. No one succeeds without failing multiple times along the way. And so knowing why you're doing it and why does it matter beyond you, I think is really, really important. And I just don't think I would still be here today. I don't think the company would be where it was if it wasn't embedded in something that was not just us. That's really interesting. So what is it that, so when the chips are down and you're literally face first on the floor, juggling children and kids and work life and everything else, what is it that just keeps you going? I've got to, you know, I've got this. I can, I can just soldier on. It's just this, it's the why it's the stories from other people of how much delicious Ciela has helped them. 
um, whether that's the recipes, the book, the app, the products, and that it's helping them change the way they eat and the massive ramifications that that's had on their lives. There's so many messages like that every single day. And each time you read one, you're like, right, I need to get this to more people. We need to have a bigger impact. This needs to go way wider. And so it does, it creates this like adrenaline filled push forward, which feels so, so, so good. And I think that's what I mean. Like if you're not trying to do something or solve something that's not just about you, I think finding the the why is really difficult. Did you feel like you were met with some, I feel like you're ahead of your time. And did you feel like you were met with some skepticism when you first brought this conversation to the sort of public arena? Because it feels like we're now having many different conversations about gut health that we weren't having 10 years ago. And gut health has become a thing that now everybody seems to know about. That wasn't the case sort of 10 years ago. So I feel like you're ahead of the curve on that. And and is that something that it's been a bit difficult or a struggle to convey to people who weren't early adopters way back when, because now everyone's listening and everyone's hearing. Yeah, which feels so good. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's it's a great moment. It's exciting. Um, But yes, I mean, gosh, when I first started doing this, people were like, so wait a second, you're telling me that what I eat actually has any impact on my health. Um, and you know, there was this, like, you are not what you eat. You, we kind of are what we eat. And, you know, look, there's no such thing as one singular bad food. There is not one singular bad mouthful is about, a, you know, a less healthy and healthy diet. Um, you know, but I caveat that with this conversation around, you've got to find balance. You do have to find balance. It's not hundred percent or nothing, but our flip is not right. You know, almost two thirds of our calories come from ultra processed food. Only a third of us managed to get our five a day you know, arguably it should be higher than that anyway. We're getting barely more than half the fiber we need. As you said, those things are so important for our gut health, which we know is so important for both our physical and our mental health. And the list goes on as to why it's so important. But so we do need to reverse things. We do we have the wrong we have the wrong ratio going on of unhealthy ultra processed food and non-food ingredients to healthy whole food ingredients. And and that's why I want to switch. But yes, when I started people were like this is weird. You think it really is good for us to eat carrots. And now I look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we even had this conversation. Like it's it's um, extraordinary in some ways, but it's so exciting to now be in a landscape of which I think the conversation to me has switched from, it's no longer, doesn't matter what we eat. What should we be eating? Because we've answered that with yes, unequivocally, it matters for our health, what we eat. And we should be eating a largely whole food plant rich diet. We know that, you know, um, our um, health related um, diseases now cost in the NHS up to 100 billion. Like we have a humongous health crisis linked to this. So we know what we need to be doing. Um, oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> As on cute. It's a work life balance. I just, oh, hello, cutie bum. Hey, I just. Hi, how are you? I just, nursery fun. Yeah. Okay, so are you May, if I finish this really quickly, can go out to the office, okay? Yeah, so we can go out together, okay? <laughs> so do I you love have that, your lunch, I love that and then the we'll office is okay? met with such cheers. <laughs> I know she's so excited. I offered her to go on a play day with her friend. She said she'd rather go to the office. <laughs> um, so do you want to have your lunch, Papa? And then we'll go together to the office, okay? Once you've had your lunch, yeah? Okay, so I'll meet you at your lunch downstairs. Yeah, that's my water. 
Okay, love you now. And then we'll be together all day, okay? I promise. All day, mommy. Okay, all day. So you have your lunch and then we'll be together all day. Sorry. <laughs> it sounds, they look just like my little ones. Love you. <laughs> I'm oh, so cute. Great. Cute. No, it's fine. Look, it's just normal life. That's just real life, isn't it? I mean, that's, I mean, one Literally. of the things that COVID taught us was that kids are going to come in and out of your camera shot all day, every day, regardless of what meetings you're, you've got on. It's very, very true. Um, oh, but what I was saying, sorry, to go back is exactly <laughs> that. There was this extraordinary scepticism that's kind of hard to figure out. And, and I think the question has moved from what should we eat to how do we make it possible for people? Because the wanting to eat well, knowing it's important to switch your diet towards this more whole food plant-based approach. And I'm not saying 100% plant-based, I'm just saying it's rooted in plants and whole food ingredients. Um, actually doing that is almost impossible because the reason we eat almost two thirds of our calories from ultra processed food and our kids in this country now eat more ultra processed food than any other children in the world, even more than the US, which is a really depressing statistic. Um, it's not going to happen if we don't make it easier for people. And ultimately, at the moment, when you're on the go and you go and get a meal deal or you walk into a supermarket, so much of what you are met with and often what is very cheap calories is ultra processed food. So that's the that's the challenge now, I think. The first challenge was getting people on board with the realization that what you eat has a massive impact on your health, on your energy, on how you feel every day and, and even on things like your mood. But now the question is, how do we actually make it plausible for people? And particularly in the world we live in, where people are just so, so, so busy. And I guess your question, like what drives you? It's this, it's that it 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 feels so pressing. It feels so urgent. It feels so important to help be part of a U-turn in the way that this country approaches their health um, and their food. And that feels so exciting and so motivating. So even on a day where you're knackered and there's so much going on, when you come back to why you're doing it, you're like, no, I'm really, I'm actually really fired up still. I also think it's about habits, isn't it? Like we all know this. We all love a routine. Even when we were babies, we loved a routine. Like you respond to it, don't you, really well. And now I just think we we love we love a routine and forming those good healthy habits can set the tone for everything i don't know about you but i feel like if i do something right at the beginning of the day the rest of my day pans out really so much better than it ever would have done have i made a really bad choice early there's um there's a lot of evidence behind that which is so interesting and that's what i like really would always suggest to people if you want to improve your health start slowly mm. like one percent closer to your goal every day don't sit down and be like right i'm going to change everything today ask yourself what is the one thing i'm going to do today to feel better maybe it's cook a stir fry in 15 minutes after work maybe it's going to walk on your lunch break and listen to a podcast that inspires you for 20 minutes you know maybe it's doing like five minutes of breath work like it doesn't need to be and just one of those by the way not all of them just one and just let those habits add up but what it also shows as well we know is that often these all or nothing approaches they don't work it's why almost 90 percent of diets fail it's just too extreme it's not sustainable um whereas this like habit stacking this small you know small habits adding up this positive cycle there's really interesting research behind it that when you say wake up in the morning and you do one thing that makes you feel better that really helps create a positive cycle to kind of inspire you and empower you to make the next habit choice 
Okay, so my question to you is, what's the one thing you do every morning that makes you make good habit choices throughout the rest of the day? <laughs> so look, it doesn't happen every day. Um, so I like the, I like the expression daily-ish, which is like, you know, it's most days, but no, you know, not overly pressurizing yourself, depending what else is going on. Like maybe I've been up all night with the kids, in which case it's not going to happen. Um, but I, I try and do 10 to 15 minutes of meditation every single morning. So it's the first thing I do when I wake up. So we, I don't go on my phone. I turn on a meditation, I do a guided meditation, and then I'll go down, get some coffee and sit and silently, quietly listen to music, drink coffee, read the paper. But it's like a 30 minute routine. But then I'll get showered and get dressed and stuff. But it just means by the time the day unfolds and I've got my kids shouting, what's for breakfast? I'm hungry. And then my emails pinging and, you know, all sorts of crises unfolding as they do at work. Um, I'm like calm and ready. What time do you set your alarm for? I try not to set an alarm um, and just try and have this where I get up at the same time each day. And it's, yeah, like 5.45 or so. It's a lot easier now that I more naturally wake up at that time versus setting an alarm. Um, but yeah, around 5.45. Yeah, that's the same time I get up because I like to get up a little bit before the kiddos so that I just feel like you've just said centered before everything goes completely to pot, which it will yeah. you know, inevitably before the school exactly. run. Exactly. And then I just try and do small things like the night before I'll just do like a prep ahead porridge. It takes me three yeah. minutes. You know, I'm going to do that tonight. It's not a big ordeal. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but just put into a bowl, you know, some oats and you might be a bit more creative than you would be in the morning when you're flustered. You might add some walnuts, some, you know, et cetera, grated apple in there, like a nice way to get different fruits and veg and nuts and seeds and some nut butter. You just stir it all up with some milk, pop it in the fridge. And then in the morning, you could just eat it as overnight oats or you can just heat it up and it will take you one minute. But there's no mess because you've already got all the stuff out of the cupboards and you've put it back. And so, the, and again, it's just like, it makes it easy to make the healthy habit choice. Whereas when you're like, you feel like you're always on the back foot, it's really difficult. And like, I do say that to people, I think there is a, a boring element of looking after yourself, which is like being a bit prepared. So having those ingredients in the cupboard, being willing to put five minutes into making something, you know, batch cooking, like I'm obsessed with batch cooking every Sunday night, <laughs> I will make something for us as a family and I'll just make like three times as much of it. And then, you know, we say cook once, eat twice, but I reckon we eat like four times from it throughout the week. I just make so much because then there's always things and I get home, you know, or today, like I'm going to have two minutes for lunch today, but I've got stuff in the fridge. And so I'll have something that's yummy and that's filling and that makes me feel good and gives me energy for the rest of the day. And I'm not going to have to do anything to, to actually get that. Whereas all I had to do on Sunday is cut an extra onion. You know, it's not like it might have added three or four minutes, given the volume of which I like to batch cook to my to my Sunday. But it's it's no more effort than that. But then throughout the week, you just have these easy unlockers. Have you got a guilty pleasure? So I and I don't mean this in a rude way. I hate the expression guilty pleasure, because for me, it summarizes everything that's wrong with the way that we look at food. And yeah. so, that's why I mean, I don't mean it in a rude way, but I just, I feel like it. Not even dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, it, it's through everything that's wrong with our culture, because as I said, like, you know, balance isn't having two thirds of your calorie from ultra calories from ultra processed food balances eating a mostly healthy diet, mm. but then you're adding into it 
what you want to when you want to you know you're out with friends you're on holiday you're having a great evening like that's great but it's not something to make you feel guilty and that's the problem with it is it's like it's this weird diet culture entrenched views where we have the very binary on a bandwagon off a bandwagon all or nothing extreme approach and I, I just feel like the idea of a guilty pleasure sits in that because if it's making you feel guilty it is not a pleasure that is an oxymoron so it's I just think you know yeah we need to eat more greens and we should be trying to get our five a day and we need to learn to cook beans really well and make our lentils really crispy and and batch cook so it's possible to eat well in the week but no one's saying you can't then go out on a Friday night have three margaritas with your friends (laughs) but please don't feel guilty for doing that. And by the way, when you do that, you don't need to work up on a Saturday and be like, all that hard work's out the window. There's no point eating well today Um, because that's not how it works. It's small habits continuously for life. Um, So I feel really strongly on that one because I think there's so many people who have this quite like yo-yo dieting, diet culture very entrenched in them where it is like I'm doing this plan I'm not doing this plan I fell off the bandwagon and the bandwagon sets such impossibly high almost impossible to reach expectations of people um but then yeah then you you have a donut you have a you know whatever it is and you don't enjoy any of it you're like this is bad um (laughs) in which case like what's the point I feel like you've given us a thousand, but because it's called the Performance People Podcast, I'm going to ask you just for one. If there was one thing that you could say to people to just improve their performance, like you've said, just even by a little percentage, what would it be every day? Gosh, there is just, (laughs) yes, there's so much. I don't, hard to know where to start. I guess, I guess there's there's two, um, but I'm not sure I think I'm allowed to do that. I think there's so many different ways of looking at the way you work. And I think things like in learning to internalize solutions and realize that you are the only person that can solve your problems is really important, albeit a very difficult learning and being ready for the fact that it will never be plain sailing. The second you think it's plain sailing, the next day will be a disaster. And so almost like to be ready for the long haul, there are no magic answers. Nothing will fix your business or transform it in a moment. And or likewise nothing has to destroy it in a moment like most things aren't as good or bad as they seem if you can internalize that and really internalize the solution and know that you will forever be pulling magic rabbits out of magic hats because that's your job um and it's really difficult and it's really lonely but it's so rewarding but i think you know that i'm sure you get lots of tips on that sort of thing so i guess more in my remit would be that you are in for a marathon you know if your business succeeds and you're lucky enough to get it to succeed um then this is a really long haul and it will as i said it will always be hard like i don't think it ever gets easy the challenges won't disappear they'll just change and so you have to look after yourself and it's so easy to say i don't have time but you don't have time not to look after yourself either you need that energy you need that clarity you need that headspace that sense of calm to make really 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 good decisions and certainly for me like there have been periods where i feel so under pressure so busy that you just all those good habits go out the window and you feel rubbish and you're not as good at your job i don't think often as a result um there's often a reason the kind of weirdest and wackiest trends i think come out of silicon valley um So I think I would just really encourage people to know that what you eat has such a big impact on your energy, you know, or keeping your immune system working really well. And again, like you're probably going to be fighting quite a lot of stress. And so 
bringing in stress management and like actively trying to find some calm in your life. It's, it's so important. And it's so easy to dismiss all of this as woo woo and not important. And yes, obviously, it's very important to, to know what your cash position is and manage your PL and like all of the practical stuff. But equally, you have to keep leading people and you have to keep um yeah having all the answers and having all the energy and so to do that you have to look after yourself um and don't put yourself always at the bottom of the pile like make sure you make space for it because you'll just burn out time and time and time again otherwise it's a brilliant brilliant answer in two parts as well which is excellent for editing purposes (laughs) ella thanks so much it's been fascinating chatting to you Oh, no, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And sorry for that brief interlude in the middle. It's life. It's what it's all about. Thank you.